happening is when you go in there and you're doing this, I mean, it's, there, it, there's a question as to how effective this is and, yeah. and, and how necessary it is. Um, in fact, one of the, um, uh, another doctor, actually not, not Mustafa, was being investigated for performing over 500 of what they considered unnecessary arthrectomies. Wow. So again, you know, this is a procedure that, you know, maybe needs to happen in these extreme cases, but it makes a lot of money. And so the doctors are saying, hey, let's do this. And they're doing it multiple times, you know, multiple times, just several months apart. On the same person. On the same person. Prioritizing profits. Prioritizing prioritizing Dangerous drug and product cases. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode, Prioritizing Profits, Dangerous Drug and Product Cases. Um, you have got that down now. <laughs> I have. I do have it written down here as well, just in case. Very smooth, very smooth. We have had a few outtakes where I've messed it up in the past, but now I got it memorized. I'm ready. Probably good for me to know the name of the show that I've been on and been running, helped run for the last few months now. That's helpful. <laughs> uh, back with another week. Feeling pretty good. Feeling, feeling, uh, Feeling good. This week was okay. You know, it was pretty consistent. How, how are you doing? Good, good. We had some kind of craziness here in Tucson, just weather-wise. Um, we had Monday, um, just like this insane monsoon, but not just monsoon, because when you say monsoon, you think just really heavy rains. Yeah. But we had this unbelievable hailstorm. I mean, you see these huge hunks of ice coming down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was like 110 degrees, and then all of a sudden there's ice pouring out of the sky. Yeah. So that was... And actually, it ended up. I, I had I had plans to go out to, to dinner that evening, um, actually with the attorney that I, I um, meet for mentoring. Um, and it was funny because she had had uh, called me and said, "Hey, you know, it's raining kind of hard. Do you still want to meet?" And I was like, "Oh, it's rain. I mean, you know, we're good. We're good." Yeah. And then there was like this warning that popped up on my cell phone, and it said that it was, you know, life threatening and serious, and don't travel unless you're evacuating. And I was oh like, "Well, God. I was like, well, holy shit." I, I guess maybe <laughs> it's a real deal. I know. I said it's a real deal, and you know it didn't look that bad out here. But I mean, especially because going down like River Road, mm. um, and then the next day it was just all washed out. So certainly between getting getting here and getting there could have been dangerous. So so we had to postpone. But yeah, uh, middle of July hailstorm, <laughs> hundred degrees out. I mean, I think we broke records in Arizona for hottest week, like above yeah. one ten consistently, and then in that same week there's a hailstorm. I mean, it, the world's the world's ending. <laughs> I'm pretty confident we're on the verge of it within this lifetime. Within this lifetime. All right, maybe not within my lifetime. I'm 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 on the. You're yeah, lucky. The other end. You're lucky. <laughs> I'm gonna be here to witness the whole thing. Uh, this is hope- the world I've left for you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, generation before. I mean, you guys lived a good life, and here we are cleaning it all up. Yeah, I suspect it's because I did not get an electric vehicle. <laughs> um, other than that, though, how how's future looking? How how are we doing? Things are good. Things are good. I'm actually kind of excited. Um, speaking of weather, we are getting ready to head up to Flagstaff tomorrow for a long weekend, um, and we wanted to get out of town. And the reason that we decided to go to Flagstaff um, is just because we well we need to hike. And when I say need to hike, yeah, we need to hike. It's a necessity. Well, it's a necessity. And so at the beginning of the year, I decided to commit to this thing called the 52 Hike Challenge. And so it's a challenge mm-hmm. to get in 52 hikes during the year. Which I, uh, that's, I kind of assume that <laughs> <laughs> that's the type of challenge it was or that's what you needed to do. Um, well, I, that, that being said, I have seen, you know, there's a Facebook group and everything and you post your hikes and what number hike you're on and everything. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I have seen some people who are just finishing up their 52 hikes like from two years ago. So I, I don't know. But um, I feel compelled to being kind of the type A that I am and always have been to knock out these 52 hikes in, um, in the one year. And we were doing great, um, you know, doing great. And then we, we got a few in in Tasmania, of course, um, where it was cool. And then um, we were like, oh, come on, we're not wusses. We've lived here a long time. We're good. And we would get up at like six in the morning in Sonoida. And Sonoida is 10 degrees cooler than Tucson, which yeah. is what, 10 degrees cooler than 
Phoenix. So okay. it's like 100 degrees. <laughs> it, yeah, pretty much. So it's like 100 degrees. But we get up at 6 in the morning. We're like, okay, we're going to be fine. We just get up early enough. And we went out and, and took and we hiked with our dogs. And uh, I mean, it, it was the, the, the trail we took was not shady enough for one thing. But anyway, I mean, it was just blasting hot. And I mean, the dogs are like running ahead just to find some shade and, you know, stand in the shade. <laughs> Yeah. Looking at us like, what the hell? What do you? This is torment, and you know, and we're lugging, you know, tons and tons of water, and enough water for us, enough water for the dogs, um, and then finally, we we're just like, you know, oh, this is ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. So we're either going to have to hike like multiple times a week when the fall comes around eventually, um, or get the heck out of town. So yeah, travel for those hikes, and that makes sense. I mean, you're going to Flagstaff this weekend, so I'm assuming you're going to try to bust out a hike. A day. Well, yeah. So we're only we're we're going um, tomorrow afternoon. So we really have Friday and Saturday to hike. Yeah. So maybe we can cram on two per day. How, I mean, how far in are you, out of the fifty-two? I think we're like twenty-five or twenty-six. So okay. we're not bad. Yeah, about halfway. I mean, at the beginning, we we you know we were getting all you know. I mean, we were very ambitious, and so we were getting a couple in a week. Wow. You know, on the weekends, if we're down in Sonoida, mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to do that. Um, but then, see, the other thing too is that we could be right on track. But technically, they require a, a hike has to be at least a mile. Mm-hmm. But to me, a mile is not a hike. No, I mean, that's, that's light like, work. That's that's like a dog kind of, walk. Yeah, that's I mean, like a, in a, a child could neighborhood. do that. It's, yeah, it's kind Toddler. of <laughs> Toddler could waddle his way through a mile <laughs> hike. That's nothing. Well, and even and then sometimes we've been in town and we like we've walked, you know, several miles. But it's still, it just feels like a hike. In my mind, is you know you go kind of out of town, you're kind of in somewhat of the wilds, and you yeah. know you hike for multiple miles. No, you should be with wearing a pack with hiking boots. I was gonna say hiking it's boots as a requirement. I know. Yeah. I think the accessories. And also, it can't be paved. I don't think. I <laughs> know. I agree. It, if there's any pavement, then it's not a hike. You're just kind of taking a stroll down a structured kind of alley, a yeah, structured yeah, path. Yeah. Yeah, um, it I should agree. be. There should be a fear of wild animals being on the path: snakes, mountain lions, bobcats. I mean, if a there's risk, yeah, yeah, there so. has to be a risk because I mean, if you're just like walking to QT down the street, <laughs> hey, it's a mile technically, but I wouldn't call that a hike in any way. Yeah, well, you see, that, that, those are my thoughts exactly, and so that's why we feel like we need to take a road trip to some place where it's a little cooler. Yeah. Um, although I did just look um, at the weather yesterday, and it's still like eighty nine. That's not bad. I mean, well, so it's not. It's not bad, and and also I figure like eighty nine is like the peak of the day, Middle and we'll still day. get up early. We'll get up, you know. Uh, I mean, no, I'm probably not going to do the six o'clock thing we were trying to do here, but you know, seven, eight is probably going to be, yeah. you know, seventies, eighties. I don't know. I'm guessing. And it'll be good for Bauer. I mean, that dog's got some a few pounds to lose. Hey, you know, he's got a few pounds. okay. I know he's gone through his trials and tribulations, but like we've gotten past him. You know, what if he's listening? I hope he is. I hope he <laughs> is. This should be motivation. He should be listening <laughs> to this, looking down, checking himself out, maybe walking to the bathroom, take a look in the mirror, and say, "Huh." This guy's right. I, I got to go, go on these hikes a little I'm, bit more. I'm feeling very protective of poor B-Boy. <laughs> no, he's know. a fantastic dog. He is. He's great. But, but, but I, I, he has lost some weight. But I has. mean, to be fair, he was on steroids for a very serious medical issue for a while. And so mm. he, he bulked up a little bit. He, he was... He, he, it was a dirty bulk. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very dirty bulk. But here he is. He's leaning out. He's leaning out. Yeah. It's competition season. And I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. And now he's, he's bigger and better than ever. You know, he's on that path. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, th- I think we've redeemed uh, if he's listening. Yeah. Well, so fi- we love you, boy. <laughs> Fifty-two hikes in a year. I mean, that's it's quite a few. Um, I don't even know what that averages out to on a weekly basis. But well, being one a week oh, is that? Oh, good. Well, because there's fifty-two. That's weeks kind in of a year. embarrassing. I didn't know. That. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of exposed myself there. We are not editing that out. <laughs> oh no! Do not edit okay. that out. Well, uh, so <laughs> obviously one hike a week. Uh, <laughs> So you guys got to make up for a few going on these trips. Are you thinking going down the line? I mean, it's only July now. uh, And on the path that we're at, temperature-wise, it's not going to get better anytime soon. Well, yeah. So we're going to have to hit it really hard when it does cool off. Um, But like I said, you know, at the beginning of the year, we were doing two a a week instead of one a week because, you know, we're down there for the weekend, sometimes three. 
Three. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You guys are just pumping them out. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do it. We're going to catch up. We're not going to be pushing this into like, well, I mean, not to, not to give people a hard time. I mean, because, you know, everybody has different abilities and yeah. time commitments and all sorts of things. So I understand that it might, that not everybody can do one a week uh, yeah. um, or average one a week, but, um, you know, we don't have any real good excuses. We get it. You know, there's people that's, that can and can't, but look, we're better than you because we're getting one in a week. That's all we're saying over here. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. No, no. And you're not even doing it, so what the no, hell? Not at all, but I can kind of just ride off the coattails over here. You know, showered family. Look, the showered family is doing 52 <laughs> hikes a year, hike, okay? okay? Yeah, well... We're gonna, yeah. I think I think we'll. I think we're gonna knock them out. And like I said, we don't really have any good excuses not to. We've got mm-hmm. a slightly chubby canine, apparently, um, who who needs. Well, I can't really talk much. You know, Bruno's got some stubby little legs. I don't think he could make a quarter of a mile, let alone a full mile. Well, I can actually tell you that he can't. And and even if <laughs> <laughs> just constantly, there's no shot. Well, so we, we've actually tested this theory. And when we would uh, dog sit for him, we used to try to take him on just the loop down in Sonoida. And I mean, he would get, and then this was, he was making some real efforts. This was a couple of years. At this point, <laughs> he'd just stick his nose up and be like, forget it. Yeah. But he would make it maybe a quarter of the way, and then we'd end up carrying him. Mm-hmm. And he's a small dog, but he's really solid. Oh, no, and... he's, he's very uh, thick, and he's sturdy. Very sturdy, yeah. low to the ground. I mean, look, he can't go long distances, but you're not knocking that dog over. No, no, the wind's not going to blow him over. No he's shot. like a brick. Um, and so, of course, then I would make Peter carry him the rest of the way. But he's pretty carryable. You know, you, I, I, I've gotten used to just hucking him over my yeah. shoulder like a bag of potatoes. Yeah, and just, a rucksack. You know, and he understands it. He likes it up there. You know, he's like, wow, this is what life is, <laughs> not being half a foot off the ground. <laughs> Well, and it's actually, it was good for Peter too, because, you know, it's kind of like rucking. You put that extra weight on, it's, yeah. it's you know, helping him as well. That's it's true. a harder workout. And Bruno's a team player. Exactly. He does what player. he can, does what he can. <laughs> so. All right. Well, getting on to the main subject at hand, um, interesting cases in the week. How are we feeling? Anything that may, may shock people? Well, yeah. Um, the main thing that I wanted to talk about, which is actually like a, it was a front page story on the New York Times, at least the weekend edition, which is the one I get. Um, and it involves doctors and drug and device companies behaving badly. Imagine that if you can. That sounds like uh, kind of the whole reason we have this show, actually. I was going to say, it's right up our alley. Yeah. Um, not necessarily doctors all the time, um, but the drug companies. And this is a situation really involving doctors and drug companies. And some of the problems that have historically occurred, um, well, laws have been passed more, re- well, in 2010, I should say, <laughs> I didn't know exactly what, but laws have been passed which limit, um, you know, compensation and uh, what doctor, what drug, drug companies can pay to doctors kind of to encourage them to use their products, their yeah. medications, that sort of thing. Um, back in the day, that wasn't the case. Anyway, there are definitely rules in place. And, um, but, you know, you always kind of hear these stories because there's, uh, you know, way, loopholes, ways to get around things, that sort of thing. And so um, this involves um, a, pr- a procedure called an arthrectomy. And this is a procedure that is um, used if somebody has peripheral artery disease. Um, and this is a pretty, apparently about 12 million Americans suffer from this condition. Oh, yeah. I kind of, with the big words there, it sounded like something that would be very, you know, not many, small percentage. 12 million, I'm assuming that's a small percentage. It sounds like a shit ton of people. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's a fair number of fair. people, though. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what it is, is it's where plaque can build up in your arteries of your, uh, the arteries of your legs, mm-hmm. and then that can affect your blood flow. Mm-hmm. And of course, you don't want your blood flow to any appendages being affected, because yeah. ultimately that could lo- lead to um, amputations, which of course, you know, we blood. want to avoid at all costs. Um, anyway, so this procedure, an arthrectomy, is something that they do um, purportedly, or under in certain cases, it does help. Um, and it's basically they send this wire into the arteries with a tiny blade or laser, and they're basically hacking away at that plaque that's building up. Yeah, okay. I know, it sounds really... No, this sounds gruesome and terrifying. Yeah. You're, you're putting a blade... 
It's slash true. laser into your arteries. I mean, that's like some futuristic stuff right there. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Um, but apparently, and in, in some extreme circumstances, um, that does help. Um, however, there are a lot of circumstances where something this dramatic is not necessary, and people can exercise more. There are medications that can help. Um, quitting smoking, certain lifestyle changes can can significantly reduce the risk. Yeah. Um, However, some things kind of all came into play that made it very lucrative for doctors to perform a whole lot of these. Yeah. And so what happened is back in 2008, Medicare started encouraging um, doctors to perform certain procedures outside of hospitals. So in these ambulatory surgical centers um, or outpatient clinics. Their basements. <laughs> well. <laughs> Back rooms. <laughs> Uh, why do you always come up with these things? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean I, I, when you say it, I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, this is Medicare. It's the government. It's yeah. The, well, the government. Uh, oh, there we go. Yeah. So anyway, and, and of course, the reason for that was that hospital admissions are, it's just so expensive to go in the hospital. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to probably stay overnight and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. So a lot of procedures, um, uh, Medicare was in, encouraging doctors, you know, if these are things that can be done outside of the hospital, let's do it that way. Um, and in 2011, they started pay- paying for outpatient arthrectomies. Okay. So um, these, uh, you know, basically uh, a lot of these procedures, um, it's big bucks for the doctors. Yeah. Um, and they don't, now the hospital's not taking a big chunk of the fee. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to get most of it. Then on top of that, uh, the drug companies start encouraging the doctors to open up their own clinics and purchase the equipment to do these. Hmm. And so then they're going to get to keep all of it. And so this seems like it's not just the drug company. It's also Medicare incentivizing it. Well, Medicare is incentivized. So a lot of procedures really can safely be done outside of the hospital. In fact, um, Peter now is doing um, a a fair number of procedures at an ambulatory care center because some of these more minor things, you just don't need to be in the hospital. And when you say ambulatory care. Yeah. I mean, I'm imagining like a whole setup in an ambulance. Well, no, ambulatory means like you can like ambulate, you can walk. So it's basically you walk in, you walk out. Uh, I was going to say it's like a food truck, you know, you call them out. (laughs) They pull up. Hey, come on! Oh, you got you got some plaque in your arteries. Oh, we'll just stick that right well, in maybe there. Maybe you probably got their plaque in your arteries because you ate at the food truck in the first place. This yeah. could be a very good business. Uh, uh, let's let's not talk down on food trucks. Okay, they're yeah. fantastic. Well, yeah, no, some, of them, some of them are good. Some of them are good. Um, so anyway, there's nothing wrong um, with doing some of these procedures. I mean, it's also it's waste a waste of resources because there are people who really need to be in the hospital mm-hmm. and you're taking up beds on these, you know, relatively minor procedures that don't have to be done there. So it makes sense that part does, but the problem is can it be taken advantage of? Yeah. And is it being taken advantage of? And I think that in this this situation was was a you know, a, a golden opportunity apparently. So what started happening is um, these doctors wanted to set up their own clinics. And, of course, they're going to have to borrow a fair amount of money to purchase this expensive equipment, the space, and all of that. So now the drug companies jump in and they're like, whoa, we will loan you the money. Oh, you need a buck here too? You need 500000 We got you. We got you. Yeah. Okay. So the device company now loans the money mm-hmm. to the physician's practice, right? They open this up. Um, and now whose products do you think they're going to use? Uh, they have to. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming there's probably part of the deal like, hey, we'll loan you this money, but you got to fill up your... You're building with our stuff. Right, right, right. And so, you know, and all of these, and there's a lot of, you know, you use the products for each procedure. You have the big machines, of course. Um, But then there's also, um, you know, all of the the products that you use for each procedure. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they are expecting that you're going to use their products. Not only that, there was one of the companies who apparently was telling the doctors, you know, hey, if you need to use a certain number, Per month, you don't even have to make that loan payment. Well, I was going to say, uh, first of all, the idea of doctors taking out loans from pharmaceutical companies or for phar- pharmaceutical device companies, mm-hmm. either way, that is an insane idea. I can't even imagine how that's legal or how that's allowed. Like there is obviously some type of incentivization, just issue there. 
And then also you're using their devices that you have to pay them for. So they're loaning you money that you then give back to them so you can get their devices. <laughs> right, right. Now, and, and to be fair, and if you, you know, read the whole article, it goes into the details that, you know, of course, the drug company has this separate entity that's their loan company. Nice. You know, I mean, Classic. again, it's really pretty clear what's happening here. Yeah. Um, and there are definitely investigations going on. And so the article talks about some of the really crazy situations with um, some of the doctors, and they're saying that apparently um, half of the Medicare payments um, annually go out to 200 top providers. So there's 200 doctors all in, over the country, mm -hmm. and half of all of the payments are going to these people. So they have like these basically high volume shops set up. Yeah. I mean, it's not that doctors are just doing one here or there. Um, you know, and one of the one of the stories they were talking about was um, this Dr. Mustafa who. Uh, Calls himself the leg saver. Uh, I thought it was going to have something to do with Lion King. Like, <laughs> I think that's Mufasa. Uh, okay. Mustafa. <laughs> Close enough there. <laughs> yeah. So, so he calls himself the leg saver, not the Lion King. But okay. The leg saver. <laughs> the leg saver. But unfortunately, um, a lot of people have lost legs. And so what he was doing was doing these procedures, um, you know, one after the other, sometimes two at a time. Some past employees two were at saying. A time. How, yeah. how is that even? Well, you, you can set up set up two. Side you know, by side. Uh, apparently. They're like, hey, <laughs> the, pay, the patients are both on the tables. They're right next to each other. Oh, hey, what's up? How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm assuming that they're uh, unconscious, yeah, one would hope. That makes sense. <laughs> so, um, and apparently, well, I, you know, I'm not, I say apparently a lot. I'm stopping that. Mm. I've been called out on that on social media, so I'm not going to say that. Well, that I mean, out. I think it's it's hard to say because as a lawyer, you know. Well, you know, you want to hedge and, hey, you know, I'm not, I mean, basically, I'm giving you the facts, the facts that um, I have collected oh, yeah. here. It's not opinion. And, you know, and a lot of the cases that were, I mean, a lot of these things are allegations. Yeah, exactly. Uh, have not been proven yet. And so I certainly don't want to get in trouble. Um, but allegedly, I guess, maybe alleged is better than apparent. But anyway, allegedly when he, well, actually, this would be more factual. He worked for a, a, a company prior to starting his own practice. And in the four years that he worked there, he only did 358 arthrectomies. So then in the next four years, um, he does 1,500. Nice. And his partner wow. does 1,150. And that comes to about $18 million from Medicare. Oh and this is just God. from Medicare. It's not from... So if, if any of his patients had private insurance, that's not something that was tracked here because oh, Medicare is yeah. investigating. And so they know what they paid out. But there may be millions and millions more with private insurance. Many of those patients probably have private insurance. I mean, how is this not like a Medicare problem? Like how is Medicare not... Well, they are. Okay, so they're, they're investigating. Yeah. Um, and so that's what's bringing a lot of this up. And um, part of the investigation involves talking to, we're, we're looking at some of the patients who've had to go to the emergency room following these procedures, and like eight different surgeons all came up and testified about this particular doctor's patients, how they had to come in um, on emergency basis and deal with the problems that have been caused and perform a number of amputations um, from the leg saver. Yeah. What? So, because what's happening is when you go in there and you're doing this, I mean, it's, there, it, there's a question as to how effective this is and, yeah. and, and how necessary it is. Um, in fact, one of the, um, uh, another doctor, actually not, not Mustafa, was being investigated for performing over 500 of what they considered unnecessary arthrectomies. Wow. So again, you know, this is a procedure that, you know, maybe needs to happen in these extreme cases, but it makes a lot of money. And so the doctors are saying, hey, let's do this. And they're doing it multiple times, you know, multiple times, just several months apart. On the same person. On the same person. That's yeah, insane. again and again and again, telling them we need to do this because this is how you're going to save your leg. But what happens is you go in there and you cause all this inflammation um, and you can actually damage yeah. those arteries. I'm sure. I mean, there's a blade slash laser oh, going through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and again, I don't know the details on how fast this plaque builds up or anything along those lines, but apparently... 
Allegedly. <laughs> but it appears, uh, at least as part of the investigation, um, they believe that a lot of these were unnecessary and were basically done simply because it was they were going to make money doing it. And these poor patients, not only, I mean, they've had these, some of them have had this horrible result of losing a leg at the end of the time. But even if they don't, they're still going through this awful procedure oh, yeah. time after time after time. I mean, how awful. That's terrifying. I mean, surgery in general is terrifying, but especially something like this. And, you know, even it being explained to me on a third party perspective, I can't imagine that. But being in a doctor's office, me like, hey, there's going to be a blade going through your arteries right now. We got to do it. It's life or death or you're going to lose a leg. I mean, it feels like you're, you're in a corner. There's yeah, nothing that yeah. you can do. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's just it's. I mean, these patients are victims, basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even the ones who have not lost a leg. I mean, they still have undergone horrible procedures that they didn't have to go undergo, and and maybe caused more damage. Um, you know, that ultimately is going to you know. And so, is it? Are these patients uh, suing? the pharmaceutical company? Are they suing the doctors? Who's responsible for this? Because it seems like it's kind of like a, a tag team 50-50 deal where the doctors are knowingly doing this, but they're also being incentivized to do this by the, the pharmaceutical company. Well, so the the invest, the primary, the story is about primarily about the investigation that Medicare be, is looking into. Yeah. So there's a, it's a federal investigation, which isn't necessarily a lawsuit per se, or at least not a private lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if they are found um, guilty or not, if, they, if they're found, if it's determined that they actually did perform unnecessary procedures, I mean, they, and, and that would be Medicare fraud yeah. because they're oh. billing for, right, they're billing for procedures that didn't need to happen. So they could be, um, they could have to pay some significant fines, but then you take the individual patients and those individual patients who have suffered injury have a claim, but then whether they go out and get an attorney to pursue that claim, you know, is another, is a separate issue. If they do that, then yeah, I mean, with these doctors, they have, Mm -hmm. it's it's a malpractice claim if they're performing unnecessary surgeries. Um, And there may be a claim as well against the, uh, against the pharmaceutical companies. So those would be case by case situations, depending on the doctor and the circumstances and how involved Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the, you know, the the device company was in the particular situation. And so... I mean, you mentioned this, this is a small nugget here, but that it would be Medicare fraud and they would have to pay fines. I mean, is this not something that is like a massive, I mean, they're, they're essentially stealing millions of government money, right? Oh Uh, yeah. How is that not criminal? How is that not something where you could be going to prison? Well, it is criminal. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's basically the white collar crime. In fact, in the story, they talk about this CSI, which is one of the companies. Love that show. Oh, I didn't even catch that one. Yeah. Anyway, this is one of the device companies. I don't know actually what it signs for, uh, stands for, but it's not crime scene investigation. I'm pretty confident of that. Um, but apparently they had to. Damn it, I saved that. No, it's okay. You know, you gotta, right. yeah. So according to the story, they paid $8 million in 2016 to settle a federal investigation about illegal kickbacks. And so kickbacks are a little bit different technically, but, you know, another thing that's illegal kind of goes along the lines with what you were saying. Um, And, you know, it's, they've been reined in significantly in more recent years because Mm -hmm. now anything that the drug companies or device companies pay out to doctors is public knowledge and has to be reported. That's so, cool. yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot harder to get away with things that they, they used to do. And I know this has kind of gone into as well uh, pharmaceutical reps, because now you don't make commission on selling any of these devices or drugs. Is that correct? Um, I actually don't. I, I mean, I don't know that there's an issue about a commission. Um, I think I, from, what I, from what I've heard, pretty sure. Huh. Because like, you know, the what's that one show that you recommended with the... Oh, the um, dope sick. Dope, the, dope yeah, sick, yeah. yeah. And then all the pharmaceutical reps are making massive money because every sale that they do is 
is they're getting a kickback from essentially. Well, so that wouldn't necessarily, but that wouldn't be a kickback per se. A kickback is where like the the doctor gets paid for using the medication. Oh yeah. Um, that would be you know a sales incentive, um, a commission, something along those lines. And um, and I'll double check on that because I, that's an area that I don't know the details on. Um, but what I can tell you is that they can't do. I mean, they can promote their drugs, but they have to do it fairly. They can't you know go bring take the doctor out to fancy dinners any longer. They can't, you know, pay for their vacations yeah. and things like that. So there was a lot of that going on, then that is definitely illegal and they cannot, they can't do that. Well, and you mentioned in the previous case with the kickbacks, uh, they got fined 8 million, you said? Right. That's pennies. Right. Well, exactly. And it kind of goes to the, the, you know, the same thing we talk about with some of these, these lawsuits where they pay, you know, millions of dollars for killing people. But to them, that's pennies considering how many billions of dollars they made selling the drug or the product. Yeah, so it's very similar. That's to- like probably one weekend for all the doctors <laughs> that they've been spending money on, right? They're buying flights, buying these trips, expensive dinners. I mean, for these, obviously, I'd love $8 million. I'd be big. But for these pharmaceutical companies, it's, it's, it's not, not. Yeah, it's not It's not big for them. Um, and, and it's, you know, it, it has changed. And I mean, I can can attest just from being married to a doctor that it's definitely changed. Um, at, at this point, you know, for example, um, you know, Peter can go out to dinner with these reps. Um, however, um, you know, they have to be talking about business. And for example, um, I would, I've attended some of these dinners and literally we have to pay them exactly what it costs for my food, my beverages, whatever. Yeah. I mean, the drug company is not going to, you know, they, they were very strict about that at this point. Good. I mean, it used to be, I mean, you could take your wives, your girlfriends, both, you know, yeah. mistress, <laughs> or, wow. and the wife, yeah, take them all, have, yeah, have multiple exactly. rooms, have, you know, and these fabulous vacations. Um, and so now they, they, they can can have doctors speak at conferences um, or provide education, but they, it really gets looked at very strictly. That's good. Um, but, you know, for example, when we went to San Diego, remember we were there because Peter went out to actually be trained how to um, use a particular device. Yeah. So they could pay for his travel to go and learn how to use their device. Uh-huh. But... You know, that's not to say, I mean, you know, it's very specific devices as appropriate as or not. They couldn't pay for, you know, certainly my travel. Mm-hmm. Um, they couldn't, you know, basically nothing else. I mean, it's very, very, very strict. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's good. Uh, obviously, this is a great example of how the incentivization can take a bad turn very quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 very scary. And I mean, it's just unfortunate because, you know, when you're talking about like the, the drug reps, I mean, especially when there are, say, multiple medications for the same condition, mm-hmm. and one drug, drug rep is the one who's picking up your dry cleaning and bringing, you know, and, and sending you on vacations and doing all of this kind of stuff, but the other medication is actually better for the patient or has fewer risks, yeah. very problematic. Yeah. Um, and, and, and doctors say, well, you know, that doesn't affect... That does not affect my decision making, but there have been studies done, you know, yeah. where they say, oh, yeah, actually, look, you know, when you look at the numbers, it did. Even if they thought that it wasn't affecting them, they actually did prescribe more of that medication. Yeah. 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 And I think that's something that from an outside perspective, you can be like, because there's a lot of trust with doctors and with the, you the hope, medical, you hope. Yeah. Yeah, medical industry overall, you know, oftentimes it's kind of blind trust. And so you think in your head, well, they, their job is to care as best as they can for their patients. And I'm sure, like you said, in their minds, they are trying to do that, but subconsciously or maybe knowingly in a lot of cases, that's just not the case. You know, if it seems yeah. like a very small difference, but hey, you get a few extra few vacations on the, yeah. a year and some nice dinners and dry cleaning, then... Well, and there's always going to be the bad apples, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be the doctors who truly believe that they're doing absolutely the best thing for their patient. And then there's going to be the others who are like, hey, I can make a quick buck here or a so. quick $18 million. Um, Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just, you know, the, the things where you hear these stories about these totally unnecessary surgeries. Um, in fact, we were um, at a conference a few years ago, and there was this crazy case that happened in, uh, it was in a hospital in New Mexico. And it was particularly of interest to Peter because it involved pacemakers. And so there was, and again, those are, you know, it's, it's a expensive procedure, mm-hmm. um, relatively low risk, um, but there are risks and literally every single, well, not everyone, but 
so many patients who went into the emergency room, you know, they had back pain, they had a sprained ankle, they had a car accident. Pacemaker, baby. Yeah, oh they were God. leaving with pacemakers. That's insane. I mean, they would be like, oh, well, gee, look, I've noticed this on, you know, on your EKG. And, this, and, and the next thing you know, they've got a pacemaker mm-hmm. and the doctors were making tons of money. And so lots of people there ended up um, uh, having unnecessary pacemakers. That's so insane. Yeah. I mean, it's just really, really sad. And again, you know, that's kind of a, a, a crazy story. It doesn't happen all the time, hopefully. Um, but the hospital and the physician got sued, both of them. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if the um, if the device rep was involved in that or not. Well, I feel like something like the pacemaker too. I mean, you get a sprained ankle and they're like, oh, let's run an EKG just to be safe. A pacemaker, that's a pretty big deal. That's something that's I, I would imagine is hard to convince and hard to like fake to get that device in. But clearly, you know, people will find a way if they are inappropriately yeah, an emergent situation and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And I mean, really, yeah, that's something that, you know, you should have a Peter take a look at and tell you if you need a pacemaker. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, unfortunately it happens, um, you know, and these are, it's, it's a good thing when these investigations happen and, you know, you, you I mean, you want to ask questions, um, you want to get second opinions. I was going to say, what is, if someone is worried about this happening to them or it is happening, what do they do? Because I feel like these concepts are so, so hard to understand. You know, I know if I went in there and the doctor told me I'd have heart issues and I needed a pacemaker, like it's hard for me to look at the same studies and be like, yeah, you know, it isn't necessary. I don't know. I just trust the, the right. you know, authoritative figure telling me that it is. Right. Well, I think getting a second opinion is, is really key. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, those are usually not emergency situations, which is why Peter rarely gets called in on the weekends, which is a nice, nice thing for us. Um, but they are, are usually situations where you can ask questions, um, get another opinion, research your doctor, see if there's lawsuits against your doctor. Um, and that would kind of go to these arthrectomies. Again, this is not an emergency. This is a situation where they're saying, oh, we should do these every few months, blah, blah, blah. Um, And and at this point, somebody's going to research this guy. And he has not lost his license to date, as at the time of this article. Um, But, you know, you you would then get the information that these allegations have been made. These are the concerns. He's being investigated. um, And and perhaps speak with another doctor. And what's the pharmaceutical company that's... um um, a lot. Actually, there are several, but I think it's Philips was a, a big one in this. Philips and this CSI. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, those are ones to keep an eye out for. You know, you got some <laughs> shady business going on from them. It's like 3M, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's something going on with those guys as well. Well, they do have a lot of products, that's for sure. So anyway, yeah, get second opinions, research. Um, you know, we actually have had, uh, we, especially when we did primarily our advertising locally, we used to have people call us pretty often just saying, hey, we know that you do these types of cases. I'm getting ready to have, you know, this device. Yeah. Is that something that you, you know about? And honestly, whether we knew about it or not, we knew where to research it, yeah. you know, whether you could look to see if there were adverse events. And so we would help people, um, you know, kind of get that figured out. That makes sense. I mean, I would, I would say that's probably a great idea with hernia mesh, which is mm-hmm. so common these days. I know you're talking about a lot of cases coming in. Yeah. If I had a hernia and someone recommended hernia mesh before I got on that table at a hundred percent call and be like, Hey, this is the brand that they're using. This is the material in it. Am I good to go? Or is this something that's going to yeah cause some issues down the line. Well, and just asking other questions too, like, do I really, is there an alternative to the mesh? And and then of the meshes, you know, you know, again, are, do you have a relationship with the company that makes this mesh? Well, I mean, but that's the thing <laughs> yeah. is that you can ask the doctor, but I feel like in these situations, even if those patients ask, ask the doctors those exact same questions, whatever they may be, yeah. They, they're not going to answer it truthfully. They're already doing something that's unfaithful to their. Well, not not necessarily. I mean, I mean, so a doctor who is is implanting a hernia mesh isn't necessarily doing anything bad. No, well, I'm saying if if you know in these cases, mm-hmm. in these cases where the doctors are clearly giving them 
um, you know, surgeries and procedures that are unnecessary, even if you're asking those yeah, questions. Yeah, no, those situations, you have a bad doctor, that's that's going to happen. But I mean, if it's a doctor and say you're using a particular hernia mesh or you, you need a, a, a knee replacement yeah. and they're recommending, you know, this brand, um, you certainly can say, well, you know, you could research and see if there's been issues with that one. Ask if there if, if, if there's an option to, if, yeah. if that doctor will implant a different one. I mean, some doctors are like, those are the ones I'm using, you know, and, and that might be questionable too if they won't consider any others. I mean, they may have a preference, a comfort yeah. level, that sort of thing. That's valid. Um, but they may not know. You know, yeah. there's a lot of these cases where yeah. they just aren't aware of it until there are serious issues. And even once they, there are serious issues, you know, there's a variety of other things that they're looking into. They have a ton of different conditions and patients. It's hard to always know, you know, what the risks are for every procedure for every material or, or uh, product that you use. Yeah. Well, actually, and that's kind of a funny or not so funny story, but um, back in the whole days of the uh, transvaginal mesh cases, I remember talking to an, a, a physician who I knew socially about those. And she was just like, oh, that's just a bunch of crap. It's all the lawyers. If you know what you're doing, you don't have problems. And I know what I'm doing. Oh, and geez. Right. Well, and that was a number of years ago. She's not doing them anymore. You know, and so, yeah. you know, there's just a lot of different attitudes, especially when when these issues start coming up. There can be physicians who think, you know, because and again, the drug companies are probably saying that, too. They're saying, hey, this is a good product. Lawyers are crazy. You know, this is the gold standard. This is what you're using. Um, you're doing fine. Have you had clients? With, have you had patients with problems? You know, and the funny thing was that I'm like looking through my medical records. I'm like, oh. Yep. Uh, she did have a problem. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, she did. I mean, two sounds yeah. a small town. And so so I, I know for a fact that mm. she had patients that did have issues with it. I wonder if that's like a, something that plays a role, too, is, you know, ego in the field. Well, know. doctors, egos, what? Well, that's that's what I'm saying. You know, egos are not gods. Obviously, we don't like to to generalize <laughs> fields. Lawyers already get a bad rap, and so not everyone so unfair. that has a medical degree or is a doctor or surgeon has an ego. You know, Peter is one of the least. I people, know, very humble, but um, I'm sure you know, in such a respectable, hardworking field like that. There's got to be a few people with some egos, you know, yeah, and yeah, I'm sure yeah. that plays a role into some of these cases and some of these situations. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and then and then ultimately when it turns out that there is, a, you know, a confirmed issue with a product or the product gets recalled, um, I mean, the doctors feel terrible. Um, oh, you sure. know, when they, you know, begin, they put in the product that they believed was a good product and now they're having to remove it. Um, and, you know, and have these patients go through these, you know, just grueling, you know, miserable treatments or surgeries to correct the problem. Um, you know, I mean, that's very humbling too, you might imagine. I mean, especially in, yeah. you know, I mean, this came up a lot for us with the um, hip implant and knee implant cases, because those are, uh, well, orthopedic surgeons, first of all, they're like, you know, they're like the carpenters of the medical world. I mean, they've got their hammers and that's they- an analogy. Yeah, well, they are. They And, you know, and they go in there and they fix something and they send you away and they don't expect to see you for 10 or 20 years. Yeah. I mean, fix, done. I don't need to have a bedside manner. You know, <laughs> you know, it's not like somebody who you're coming back for pain pills and this and that. Yeah. And, you know, it's just the constant, um, you know, chronic condition. Problem fixed by, yeah. you know, and now it was like problem fixed. Whoa, you're back. Holy well, shit. It's shit. even worse now. Yeah. And now you're worse than you were. Yeah. So yeah, those were, those were some, um, yeah, I saw some, some doctors who were pretty devastated by that because they had just kind of been on this high for their careers, like basically fixing people. Yeah. And now they had actually hurt people. Not, I mean, not through their fault. Yeah. Um, Annoying. the product. Yeah. yeah. Being a part of a process that was just set up by. Nefarious organizations. Nefarious. <laughs> we need CSI on the scene. <laughs> it's been my new word recently. Nefarious. I like it. I like it. Um, so, that, I mean, we, we, that's, that's a very interesting case. And I think it does kind of touch on a lot of subjects that we talk about uh, in every podcast and yeah, yeah. every show with every drug. You know, it has everything kind of playing um, together. So, I mean, and I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's rare, but it is kind of unique where it's both the, the pharmaceutical company as well as, you know, some bad apples, um, kind of yeah. possible malpractice. Well, that's why you need lawyers to take care of the bad apples, to yeah, pluck them. Exactly. Pluck them and bake them in a pie. So what else? What else? Uh, interesting cases. Well, a couple of updates on cases. Um, and one is, um, on the Johnson and Johnson talc, 
Um, we've talked quite a bit about that, but there was a um, verdict that came out in one of the trials on Tuesday, and a, uh, it was a California case. Um, a very young man, a 24-year-old man who had used talc um, and was diagnosed with mesothelioma. And the jury found that it was caused by the talc mm-hmm. and awarded him um, $18.8 million. Well, what uh, can, can we, I mean, I've heard of mesothelioma before, but for other people that may not, you know, obviously I know it all, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, so actually what we're going to talk about next week is mesothelioma. So while we'll get into a, a lot of details on that on the next podcast, but basically the talc um, being inhaled into his lungs caused him, you know, this, this, uh, it's basically a lung disease, but yeah. it is, it, it kills you. Really? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so in fact, what they are, he was diagnosed in early 2022, and they're expecting that, he, as they say, he's not going to live much longer. They don't, they don't, Jesus. yeah. So I mean, it, it's 18, fatal. It's it's always fatal. 18 and mil. And you don't even get to like no, fall out 18.8, a bit. so almost 19 million. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the thing about this, though, is that if you recall, we talked about the whole bankruptcy scam they tried to pull where, oh, yeah. right, where they tried to put, um, you know, some assets and basically all of the tout claims into this subsidiary called LTL, and then it filed bankruptcy. So that um, the Third Circuit kicked that out, said that was not okay. They've now filed a second bankruptcy with more money in LTL, and that is before the bankruptcy court to decide whether or not the, the judge whether or not she wants to uphold that. It could then get appealed to the Third Circuit again. But in the interim, um, so so this verdict has has happened. The jury said, said yeah. J and J, yes, your talk did cause wow. this this guy yeah. to have mesothelioma and is going to die. Um, but I mean, he's not going to get paid. You know, I mean, this yeah. is going. To, you know, this will be on hold until that. Uh, so literally, he's never going to see any of this money. Is the is the reality That's of it? So insane. And it, it, what you're kind of touching on too is that now it is official that there is a direct connection in a in a case. Well, it, the jury found that. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, you know, again, what is official? The jury believed the evidence that was presented. Um, J&J always puts on experts that say that it's not related. Yeah. And the plaintiff puts on experts that say that it is. Um, this jury was convinced and outraged enough to award a huge number. Um, and there have been a lot of juries. There are a lot of verdicts out there, um, you know, against J&J. Now there have been some losses, too. Yeah. Um, so, so it's not, I mean, it's not official you know it's this jury's decision and it's it's so frustrating to hear that they're trying this bankruptcy scheme again because yeah. it's it, it is it just the same situation but they threw a little extra few million in there and they're like hey you know instead of fining us officially just take this well it's 8.9 billion okay. you know and okay. so it's a lot more than it was the original time yeah, like a, eight times shot. as much so they're putting a lot more money in but the thing that that bothers me about it is that you know why not just come up with a global settlement then? Why why go through the bankruptcy court? I mean, you know, companies settle, put large amounts of money into these global settlements all the time. It doesn't have to go through the bankruptcy court. So, I mean, there are certain reasons why they want to do that, it sounds like, and certain protections that you're going to get that you wouldn't necessarily have in a regular settlement. But it just still feels scammy to me. Yeah. And so, you know... That being said, there are a number of claimants who say, well, that's a lot of money. We're willing to work with that. Um, let's let that go. So I think either if this doesn't go forward, perhaps they will try to transition that into a global settlement. Yeah. I mean, and I can't help but think like all of these little grimy cut corner things that they're doing around this situation. And and again, kind of taking a step back to previous episodes with the talc cases, they were literally pouring in um, canisters that had like the cross and bones yeah, on yeah. them. And J&J, Johnson & Johnson, the same company that did the vaccines for COVID. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not saying there's a direct correlation. Vaccines, you know, whatever. It's their own. <laughs> they do a lot of things. I mean, they do shampoo, champ, baby shampoo, and yeah. they do everything. But I it's mean. just knowing that an organization that has a history of doing something so clearly bad and just very nefarious. Uh, Ooh, it's little, well, it's well kinda, used, well used. Yeah, it's just concerning. That's all I'm saying. It's, it's a little scary. 
Well, it is concerning. That's what we're here. That's what we're here about is because there's so, all of these concerning things and people should know about mm-hmm. them. And, and this, so the, the bankruptcy judge is saying that she's going to um, rule on at least at her level, whether this can go forward um, by the end of August or no, actually by early August. So we will definitely come back to this yeah. and, and see what's, what's happening in that. And, you know, I mean, we have a number of, of talc clients, um, you know, and, and uh, actually one, a deceased, a deceased um, client with mesothelioma from this. So, wow. um, yeah, I mean, we're very, very interested to know what's going to happen here. Um, you know, and, and I mean, the issue is you just you want these people to be fairly compensated. And this is a company that uh, the fact that they could just throw $8.9 billion into something, they have the money to pay these people for the, the harm that they've caused them, and they need to. And it's... And it's- the, the idea of fairly compensation, you know, what is fair? This guy that you're the talking about, twenty-four right year now, old guy who's going to die, and, and he, he's not and even he... going to see the money. No, no. And I mean, yeah, it's a, g- a good chunk of money for us, but hey, if they got billions of money, uh, billions of dollars, yeah. nineteen million is nothing. In that. Well, I mean, can you imagine his family? I mean, he's twenty-four years younger than you. I mean, that's I, true. That is you true. know, I, I, I mean, there's no amount of money that could compensate me if, you know, something like that happened to you. Yeah. Um, Even a billion? No. Yeah. Hell no. That's fair. I mean, a billion's a lot of, a lot of money, though. Nope. Okay. Not even 8.9. Wow. Okay. Not even yeah. if they gave it all. I appreciate that. You know, okay. <laughs> You're feeling the love. Yeah, that means a lot. Wow. I mean, how would I do this podcast without you? Ah, you could hire. You could, <laughs> with that type of money, you could hire Joe Rogan if oh, you well, wanted that's to. Probably, probably. You, you could get that guy over here for that type of money. Uh, I don't know. He's not as cute. <laughs> not as good on the camera. Uh, All right. Well, enough of that. <laughs> and you kind of you did give a little sneak peek. So next week we're talking about mesothelioma. As yeah. Well. So mesothelioma. It, so the, the the classic case with the talc has been the uterine cancer because uh, women used it, um, you know, gynecologically, you know. Yeah. And so, um, but the the men the cases that involving the men are generally where if they were concerned about sweat, they were putting it on their chest, and so yeah. then they were inhaling it into their lungs, um, and. And so, but mesothelioma, you see a lot of those cases um, from workplace, asbestos, mm-hmm. um, and uh, oftentimes exposures in, in various industries, industrial chemicals, um, you know, different types. Coal of- mines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's when I so think. Because, yeah. When I think of lung issues, I always think of like oh, mines. Oh my gosh. And- Stuff like that. Yeah. Well, on a quick aside, I don't think I told you, we went to Bisbee um, on Saturday just for a little day trip. Um, or was it Sunday? I don't know. We went to is it a Sunday. Anyway, um, it, it's like a big mining town, a, historically a mining town. But unfortunately, I can't take a tour of the mine because Peter's very claustrophobic. But we did um, tour the museum there. And man, I mean, it's uh, those conditions. Yeah. I mean, it's horrifying. Insane. Especially like way back in the day, too, where, mm-hmm. you know, the, the mine shafts that took you all the way down were incredibly rickety. You're just body to body with people. There's no good ventilation. There's the... They, 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 the canary canary yeah, yeah, yeah. once <laughs> which is insane the canary you hang out there and then once a canary dies you're like okay wow now <laughs> time wow, to go a living animal just died next to me i guess this is a sign i gotta get out gotta of get here out. well and then they would have like the collapse you know they would get stuck down there and oh, i can't yeah. even i can't go into mines either i don't blame peter i mean I, i'm not even that claustrophobic it's just the idea of being that far well, underground. underground is very terrifying yeah and i don't know if you've seen youtube videos of people that do uh like cave exploring oh, yeah, the spelunking stuff yeah, yeah where they go you know through holes that they barely can fit in oh, they have to like God. control their breathing and i mean it is insane no i have no appeal no oh appeal. my god i watch those videos and they give me anxiety and it's just <laughs> it, it's just interesting to see i'm like wow there's people that thoroughly enjoy this and they're much better than me uh, <laughs> just in every way because that's impressive crazy yeah not something for me so that's what we're talking about next week. Yes. Um, and so I will, I have some other updates maybe we'll touch on next week because we were, the plan, and we do have, still have a little bit of time here, um, the, the topic on cases that we're taking, that we are take, currently taking, yeah. um, uh, is the BARD PowerPort that we had, I think we talked about it briefly last week. Um, but these are, are um, really kind of 
happening right now. Um, there's actually been a petition filed to consolidate them into a multi-district litigation. Um, and so you probably are seeing some advertisements and that sort of thing for them. Um, but it's a pretty pretty nasty situation, as, as are most of these things. Um, but the BARD power port is um, a port catheter device, and it's used um, to deliver medications. Most often it's used like for chemotherapy, mm -hmm. so where you're going to be um, putting in IV medications on a regular basis and you don't want to put the needle in every time, they'll yeah. actually implant a, a, a port so that they can just tap into that. And so, so these are things that are, are pretty commonly used, but this one is really problematic. Um, and the problem with it is that the, is the material that the catheter portion is made out of. Um, and apparently, see, that is like my favorite word. Well, it's something like you said. There's a reason yeah. behind it. Okay. Allegedly. Well, allegedly, um, the, uh, the polyurethane material um, is, is, is not good. <laughs> it breaks down um, it, it, much more quickly than other products. Mm -hmm. And so it can then fracture um, and migrate. And which causes causes damage. Also, as it kind of starts to degrade, um, and and through the 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 um, production process, the surface is somewhat uneven, and so there's like little divots and grooves and pits and things like that. And Jesus. that, yeah, well, and so when that's um, implanted, it's a good place for infections to start. Where um, you know something they kind of like seize onto the yeah, yeah and onto onto the device so they're they're going into veins as like you said in chemotherapy most commonly so they don't have to keep poking you know they just leave it in there well and so it's usually implanted in the chest and i actually took a couple of pictures because i knew that you were going to wonder about yeah this. So I'm gonna just maybe set, yeah throw them to fern too so, so yeah so you can kind of see so it's yeah. the actual thing is is underneath the skin mm -hmm. and then the catheter goes into the vein so then they can just puncture right into yeah. that Port and so it's in the vein that it's deteriorating, and pieces of it are kind of going through your well, bloodstream. Well, the catheter part. So, so the port is there, right? Yeah. So that's a, that kind of square part. Yeah. And then it's attached to the catheter that goes into your vein, and it goes into whatever vein you know you're. Yeah. Gonna and so the catheter, which is the little wire thing that goes yeah the yeah, yeah. Tube. and so that's what is fracturing. Yeah. And so and and if it fractures, it can actually um, you know damage your. Uh, your vascular system. Um, the problems are like the infections, people are getting sepsis, um, thrombosis. So that's where like a blood clot would form around or inside the power port, um, fractures. And then part of the, part of the port breaks off, which can cause injury to your heart or lungs. Um, and then migration where it moves from its original position and that can um, lead to tearing of the vein. God, see, this is like the, the thought of anything that is problematic with going into your vein i mean in my mind veins are just very fragile yeah. tiny you know obviously important um aspects of of the body and human biology What's carrying your blood it's a dust you know something we need yeah and it's just like it's, it's so tiny too i mean it's a vein I, already you know when i get uh, needles inserted when I have like an infusion or something yeah. like that. I am terrified to like Ugh. move my arm yeah. because I'm like, what What's if going on inside? Yeah, there? exactly. Gonna... So I mean, already having something like that on your chest that's just there 24 seven, and then whenever you need to go, I mean, it makes things easier, right? Right, but... right, and you're not blowing out your veins and that yeah. sort of thing. So um, I mean, the, the idea of it's good. It's just this particular one is problematic because of the material that they yeah. used and that um, the, the manufacturing defect and also the design defect with the actual material. Um, and these things that, you know, again, here we go with the usual story. These things came out in 2000 and all of a sudden they're getting a lot of adverse event reports more so than would happen for a similar product. Mm -hmm. And again, it's because of the problematic material here and rather than do something about it, they just continue to promote them, to sell them, to use them, and, and you know, until the numbers start piling up, piling up, yeah. piling up, and then the lawsuits start. And then people are actually looking at these and saying, what is the problem, um, and, and figuring it out. So, so apparently, 
That is my favorite word. But hey, I'm on to it now. I'm on to it now. So there have been um, a number of lawsuits that have been filed around the country, and the petition has been filed. So there are enough of these things, and we expect that they will continue, um, that that this will probably be a pretty significant litigation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, again, problems happen. Um, People may have had this port. I mean, again, it's been out since 2000, so we've got quite a few years there. People may have had this and had problems, but not known that the product was defective. Oh, oh yeah. well, things happen. But, um, you know, now we know that there is an actual problem. We understand why more problems are happening with this one than other ports. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is something where it's almost like a middleman. It's not actually what, for example, like with devices, you know, there's a knee replacement. It is the device that is the main primary reason that you're going into surgery that's causing a problem. Right. Um, hernia mesh you know you're going and you have a hernia the mesh is there to support it if you have a problem then it's kind of easy to assume but the power ports i'm assuming that there's a variety of different reasons that you'd have something like that installed yeah, and yeah. so it's and it's like i said it's a middleman to actually get the, the medication get the medication or yeah i mean it's also used like for um you know people who have um feeding tubes i yeah. mean it's anything where you've got to get something in on a regular basis but the most common use is for chemotherapy. And I mean, here you are, you're already mm. dealing with, you know, this horrible situation. You've been diagnosed with cancer. I mean, chemotherapy is just a horrendous thing to yeah. go through in the first place. Um, but the medication is hopefully going to save your life. And then the method of its delivery is a problem. I think that's what you're getting getting yeah. at. It's not even, it's not the chemotherapy. It's, you know, just the way it gets there. And there are other ports that could be used. But that's the thing too, is that, you know, with the hernia mesh, you know, it's kind of, not easy, but it's a little bit easier to be like, okay, this is the device I'm getting. Is there any other options? When you're getting chemotherapy, you're not thinking, oh, is there something wrong with the port? Is there even no. options with the port? I didn't even know this was a thing, first of all, and that there's a bunch of other options is completely separate as well. I had no idea. Well, I mean, with anything where you, you can make money on them and you're going to use them a lot because there's a lot of uses for ports. There's going to be multiple companies making them that are competing. Um, and, you know, this one's newer and better and this is easier to use or blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always going to be be a variety of these. But um, there are a lot of these out there and they've been causing problems for a, a good long time. Um, so anyway, I think this is going to be a pretty big, pretty big litigation. Yeah. So how, how would someone know if they got a barred power port? Because I know with the devices, you have the stickers, which aren't really stickers anymore. They're more um, online or not online, but on yeah, so it, because it's an implantable port, there, there, it is going to be, we will definitely be able to find out. Yeah. The, the individual person isn't going to know, just like they don't know what kind of hernia mesh they have. Mm-hmm. The issue is, did I have a port? Did I have a problem? And if so, then you should talk to an attorney um, and, and we can get the records and we can find out what port it is and we can find out what the problem was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you had either an infection um, or a perforation, a migration, a fracture. Yeah. Um, absolutely, that's worth looking at. I feel like any issue, because I mean, these are things that if if I was, you know, if I had an if I had uh, chemotherapy, and then there's an issue after that, I would think in my head like, is this the care, uh, chemotherapy causing this? I mean, it's so it's hard. I would imagine for someone that's going through this to even uh, make that connection in any way. Yeah, I mean, this is, again, it's going to be an issue, you know, a mechanical issue, you know, where the thing fractures, it maybe migrates, it causes some damage. Um, It's not going to be like, well, you know, I'm nauseated or... Yeah, that, I mean, that's fair. That so, you know, some things that that would clearly be more related to, uh, to the chemotherapy. But but yeah, if you had some co- complication, you know, with the, any port. I mean, again, you don't know what port it is. I mean, if you had an issue with your port, and lots of times, you know, I've heard many stories about people having infections with those. And of course, there may be an infection that has nothing to do with the port itself. But worth getting that checked out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's now cases that, that we're taking. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the newer cases out there. Um, and yeah. Has it been consolidated? Yet. No. So there has been a petition filed um, 
requesting consolidation. And so um, we, we will certainly update again if and when that happens. I mean, it probably will. Um, I know that they are are uh, objecting to it at this point. They always um, do. Well, they don't always. Actually, every once in a while, they want them to be consolidated too because oh, it's easier yeah. for them as well. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, again, if they're claiming that this there's no problem. Then uh, yeah. they usually do. So. It's always my go-to question whenever there's a new case. You know, consolidation is kind of a good idea of what stage it's at. Well, it's where things really get moving and it's where you see like a lot of cases get filed. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then, you know, you see a lot of the advertisements and so people learn about it because a lot of people would have no idea. Again, somebody, you know, went through chemotherapy a few years ago. They had, you know, a horrible infection from their port, um, but they have no idea that there would be a lawsuit about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I anytime you go to the hospital, they're always going to say, you know, one of the risks is infection. I mean, really, they're one of the risks of living is infection. There's always a risk of infection. Yeah. Um, and so you just think, well, it's just one of those things. I had shitty luck. It happened. Um, not that it was caused by this particular product. Yeah, or more so. likely because of this this product. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, that just the fact that it's a, a middleman between whatever medication. It's like a delivery system. Yeah, the delivery yeah, system. It's, it's, that, that shouldn't be a problem. I mean, maybe the medication should be a problem, but just getting it in there and now we've got to, you know, that's it's, causing the problem. It's like the most basic thing is like the, yeah. the delivery system, you know, yeah. you've got to get medication into your body. It's the last thing you would assume is it has nothing to do with the medication or right. your problems. It's something completely different. Yeah. So, so that's uh, the kind of the hot case of the day. And I know we are getting kind of close to, um, oh, we're actually over, over an hour. So it's all right. I mean, we got to, let's go into what's going on next week. Well, so what's going on next week is we are going to talk about the mesothelioma cases um, and whatever else is happening. I actually I do want to give an update next week on the hair relaxers. Um, and actually possibly on the infant formula. Man, we need to do more than one a week. There's a lot of things happening. <laughs> yeah, a lot of updates. Well, it's good to have too much updates. than not enough. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, but definitely send us questions because we're still short on questions. Yeah, yeah, and you can send us questions everywhere. I mean, we got Facebook, we got Instagram, we got TikTok, wherever you're seeing TikTok. it. You can throw it on the comments, but also know, you know, there's probably a lot of people out there that have issues or have questions, and when it comes to medical conditions or, or surgeries, whatever it is, it can be uncomfortable to put that out in the public, so mm -hmm. feel free to, Anonymous. to anonymously reach out to us, throw it in the DMs on Facebook, on TikTok, whatever it is. Uh, you can always email us. At yeah. a shower, SJ Showered Shower. Well, no, 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 oh, not no. my personal one. How about info at showeredlaw.com? Info at showeredlaw. Yeah, or podcast at showeredlaw.com. That one's a good one, too. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, and the other thing, too, that, you know, we were talking in our meeting the other day is like, anything you want to ask a lawyer because if I if it's not something we do I know somebody who does it we'll get an yeah. answer for you so um, yeah just ask ask a lawyer here we are I know I always see the um, like channels of lawyers that talk about what to do if you're pulled over or you know the very unique specific niche questions uh, but that's one of the perks that we have is that you have so much experience in the field of law and you can understand it that if you, you know, even if well, you don't I know, know people, you know people. <laughs> and if you don't know the answer, you can yeah, ask around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it may not be something that I've done, but enough to get you an answer. I know people and, and, we're, and we'd love to discuss it. Maybe we learn something, too. That's always fun. Yeah. I mean, always I learn good. something new every every show, to be fair. Absolutely. But. Good deal. Alrighty. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. Another fantastic week. Another fantastic show. I had a great time. Um, I hope everyone tunes in next week. We got some very interesting topics. If you have any questions, like I said, reach out on all those social media platforms, anything you like. Uh, but with that being said, I hope we have a great week. Have a good week and we'll chat about my hikes. Yeah. <laughs> prioritizing profit. Prioritizing, prioritizing profit. Dangerous drug and product cases.